0: Medi- meditation really was what what broke what cracked my heart open, and it made me more, um, just more open minded, and and I was able to see what scratching the surface felt like of of the healing process, and I was like, wow, if this is, if this is just the taste, what if I what what if I just dive in?
1: Hello and welcome to The Art of Lost and Found, a podcast all about the process of creative recovery. From those low lows to the high highs, this podcast explores what it means to be a truly creative person and how creativity is a superpower that we all have that we can use for our own well-being and transformation. I'm your host, Brooke Esten. I am thrilled to welcome Nicolette Garabata to today's show. Nicolette is a feminine embodiment and intimacy coach. She serves as a powerful guide for women on their healing journeys. What started out as an exploration of her own healing journey quickly evolved into a full-on creative transformation. After spending seven years working in the adult entertainment industry as a stripper, She became increasingly aware of the parts of herself that she was starting to heal and consequently made bold decisions across all areas of her life so that she could better align with the true self that she was uncovering. Now, Nicolette is working full-time as a women's coach, offering private one-to-one coaching and is currently working on a guided group program that covers feminine healing topics such as self-love, sensuality relationships and intimacy, and feminine expression. Nicolette and I met at a retreat in Italy a few years ago that was hosted by the incredible Rachel Rosito. She is a divine feminine coach and a client of mine. We met through Nicolette's twin sister, Claudia, who participated in Rachel's six-month-long divine feminine coaching program. It was called Evoke, which we reference in the show. Evoke cumulated in an intimate, in-person retreat in Italy. Although Nicolette didn't have the context of the six-month journey that we had all been on, she immediately felt like a dear soul sister and fit right into the group. Since our experience together in Italy, I've been fortunate enough to witness her profound, beautiful, and wholehearted transformation. To follow along on her journey, you can follow on Instagram with the handle Nicolette M G. And without further ado, here's Nicolette. Welcome, to Nicolette, Ooh. to the Art of Lost and Found podcast. I'm so excited <laughs> to have you here.
0: Mm, I'm, so, I'm so excited and I'm so honored. I'm so honored that you asked me to be here. You have so Absolutely. much wisdom and I love, I love getting to talk to you. You're just like one of the most thought provoking people that I know. And oh, that's so wise. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. So you you and I first met in a very intense and dense container full of I don't know, maybe 15 to 20, 25 other women who had been part of a six-month journey with um, an incredible woman that we both know very well, Rachel Rosito. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we spent, I guess it was only a few days, but it felt like we went into some type of portal of transformation where every single woman brought her whole self to the experience, right? Like the epic successes and power that we all have. And then also the deep dark, swampy insecurities and traumas that we're still trying to process and move through. And during Mm -hmm. that time, we were able to connect, we were able to bond, and I have been witnessing the transformation that you've been going through since that very intense first encounter that we had. Before we get into the the creative transformation that you've gone through in the last few years, I would love for us to dive into its origin. And let's go back to when you were a little girl and check in around how your creativity first started expressing itself.
0: I remember when I was, um, we're talking back, let's say like fifth grade, I was... I loved to paint, I loved to create art and I loved writing poetry. I loved rhyming poetry and I used to be in like I used to be have a competitive edge so I used to be in like poetry competitions and um, I loved to illustrate like my poems. And you know, I being I've meant I don't know if I've mentioned yet but I have a twin sister and so when we used to create things together, there's always this thing where people would compare like whose is better? Or I would compare it myself because you start to see other people comparing in your environment and you become a sponge. And so you're like, oh, that, okay, well then, well, I need to compare myself to my sister. And I remember that having an effect on um, on the way that I was able to create. And also, um, you know, I had a home life where um, my dad was very hypercritical. And Um, and, and it was, it was explosive. And so I had, I think I had a very, I instilled like a subconscious fear of expressing myself and my creativity, um, and, and fear that it wouldn't be good enough for my dad or, um, that I just in general wasn't good enough for my dad. And I think also having, um, my home environment being so unstable, really, um, there has to be, like, like you said, like you kind of nurture, you have to like nurture it was something that we mentioned before the podcast was nurturing your environment for your creativity, just the way that you would nurture your health. Do you have a, a sense? I guess it's a two-part question.
1: Did you have a sense then of what that fear was? And then
0: do you have a sense now of what that fear was? Like, what were you afraid of? Hmm. And expressing when I was younger. Well, I think um, being bullied in school for sure. Um, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, you know, that is a very, very common um, aspect of th- what kills our self-expression or what kind of hinders it as we grow older and we start to realize that we are being judged and we, there are opinions f- flying at us from every angle. Um, but really it was, so it was the societal piece of it, you know, like in school being judged but also like my dad, like I mentioned, he was very, um, hypercritical and it was never about my art, but it was like, if I wasn't smart enough in school, if I didn't understand my homework, it was, you know, it was a very, um, it was not a healthy, uh, interaction and uh, communication. So it was like not being smart enough, not being, you know, not being good enough in general. And I think as I've gotten older, that has, I've seen that play out, especially, as I've ventured down this uh, road through on, uh, entrepreneurship, it's it shows up as imposter syndrome, and a lot of people can relate to that piece because um, you're like, well, who am I? Am I good enough? Am I who am I to teach this? Do I know enough? Um, am I expressing this in a way that's going to be received well? Are people going to know it's authentic? Um, and I've really just really that piece ha- I've had to just come back to. Um, you know, reminding myself that um, that it doesn't matter how it's received. As long as it's coming from an authentic place, it doesn't matter how it's received. And if it only reaches a couple of people and it helps one person, that's then that that's all that really matters to me. It's really like taking the focus off of myself and refocusing on um, on the message that and who I'm trying to reach. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I think with, with what you said around imposter syndrome is, is so interesting because this fear seems to shape shift, right? Like at first, you're, you're scared that, oh, no one's going to understand me or people are going to judge me or, you know, I'm going to draw unwanted attention to myself and it's just going to be bad. And then finally, when you do allow yourself to be seen and you express yourself, Then this new fear sort of uh, enters and and the original fear shape shifts into something else. But what we fail to realize is that everybody feels that way. Like literally everybody, it doesn't go away. It just changes form and you learn how to evolve your relationship with it so that it doesn't own you anymore.
0: Oh gosh, that is so, so true. And so beautifully said, you know, I actually just recently had that thought. I was like, God, that was so great. That was such great content. And I'm like, how am I now? And then you feel the pressure, the expectation that it's got to be just as good as that was. And Mm -hmm. you're right. It is just about, um, you know evolving your relationship as as it ebbs and flows and as it changes in so many different forms and it never goes away and you learn this with so many different aspects of you know creative work yeah. it's just like it's not going to go away you mm-hmm. just have to figure out new ways to move with it yeah you know and keep your balance and your and um your inspiration flowing yeah. cuz like that can kind of kill the the spark the, the, the motivation to like, to create more. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah and and I'm, think... I'm curious, how has that been? How, how do you, what's another way that you, when you've like felt that you're losing the inspiration or something, or you're feeling that fear, the contraction, the contraction in any way, yeah. um, how have you moved through that?
1: Mm. Uh, what are
0: some ways in which you move through that contraction process?
1: Well, I usually, Uh, make it worse to start. And I do that by (laughs) looking at Uh, all of the other people who've done all the things that I want to do. And I obsessively go through their content, their website, their portfolios. And then I realize what I'm doing and I get off of my devices and I get back to my journal. I get back to deep, intimate relationships that I know I can show up with that energy and not be judged for it and I remind myself that I need to put in the time and the energy and the commitment and I usually just reaffirm something that I already knew but I kind of lost sight of because there was so much um, kind of debris in my field of vision that I couldn't see the end goal anymore. And I reorient. I'm learning to go through that cycle a lot faster as I have more experience. And that's why like I put so much value on resilience and redemption. Like fuck perfection. Nobody's perfect. And that's an unachievable goal anyway. That is a like I'm never striving for perfection. You know, I'm I'm showing up and trying to do that the best that I can knowing full well, not everybody's going to like it. Right. I know that from the beginning, and I have to just remind myself, that's okay. People can self-select out. Like, I don't need anything from anybody. That's not why I'm doing this. And I have to drop back into myself. And ultimately, where I go is to
0: a place of service. It's not about being perfect. It's the art of redemption. It's the art of, like, how the hell you bounce back. like. And that's that's all it is. And for me, it's been a lot of the same thing where I, I I realize that I'm in my head and I'm seeing myself from an outside perspective, but it's not my voice. It's like the voice of the inner critic. And some a tool that I've real that I learned in evoke that Rachel taught us was um, like labeling that inner critic and giving it a name and sort of detaching from it and you know seeing it from a different perspective so that we're not identifying it so much when it does when it does come up to yeah. tell us, you know, to stop us in our tracks. So um, I love that. And, and really uh, getting back into our bodies, dropping yeah. out of our heads and back into our bodies. That's it's so that's important. Key. It's, it's so, it's so important. And it's, I've, that has been um, that has been the most the, the 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 best way for me to to come back to center and and to come back to my creativity do you feel like your story
1: there was a dramatic shift or was it more like a a kind of a slight change of course that happened over a long period of time
0: yes the journey this is yeah. that's where the juice is that's sure is. that's the important <laughs> that's the juicy stuff um and And it was, it was quite a, it's been quite a journey. It started, I, I would say, well, because I, I grew up in such a fragmented home and the environment that I grew up in, where there was chaos and, um, really, uh, just a lot of hate. I, I learned to self-abandon and as a way to protect myself. Um, and, so I was self-destructive in the way that I was treating my body, my heart, my mind, my spirit. I was drinking a lot. I was going to clubs. I was, um, I was, a, I was kind of in the dancer lifestyle. I was a stripper for seven years. And although I never like fully lost myself in that, I, I always had a, a pretty decent head on my shoulders, but I definitely um, was very disconnected from myself. Um, I was. I was, um, sleeping around. I was, and not in a, and not in a conscious way at all. Um, I was just, um, yeah, just very disconnected from my body. And, and I think where I really decided to, that it was time to make a change was having felt like I was my wits end with the unhealthy relationships that i had in my life i think above all else above most things are your relationships impact your life the most dramatically the most drastically and so and i'm i wonder if there have been people on your on your podcast who have talked about heartbreak and how that because that's always such a big catalyst um, for change it's feeling like okay, and because it can disrupt, it just it disrupts your whole life. Who you choose as a partner can either make or break, you know. It, it determines your life, the trajectory of your life. So, yes. I was making a lot of yeah unconscious choices in my relationships, and so I, I just wanted to find some inner peace, and that was, um, it was a breakup that I was experiencing. Um, it was a very familiar pain. It was a pain that I felt so many times before and i saw my sister find her inner peace with rachel and so that's when i um, hired her and from there it was sort of like the snowball effect you know it was learning what the like how to soften into my feminine and from there i was able to and learn mindfulness practices like meditation and meditation is really what like switched it was the switch in my brain for me i don't know if i would be consider myself like, I, I don't think I'd be able to create if I, if I personally didn't meditate, because that is what keeps me really in tune with my inner world, my inner realms. And that's where I'm able to create from.
1: Yeah.
0: So um, yeah, that's
1: beautiful. meditating,
0: meditation. Oh man, that is, that has been, that was the turning point in my life. Yeah. I remember the first time I meditated, I, I went for two hours. It was like,
1: Wow. It was,
0: yeah, it was, um, it was such a profound experience. I came out of it and it just came, it was like my soul was, t- it was telling me it's been time. And so it let me rest. And it was the deepest peace I have felt, um, after all the turmoil I had experienced. So that was, um, I, I meditated and I came out of it and I cried for about, I don't know, 40 minutes on my kitchen floor. And, yeah, and it was just been, uh, a snowball effect ever since
1: yeah. of,
0: of good things. And, you know, the negative, the, you know, the not so fun experiences, but I'm able to navigate that in a different way now. So
1: yeah, um, the, yeah. the metaphor that I use when talking about that in particular is excavation. Like if you excavate a, a archeological site, it's really dirty it's really messy. Like everybody's in the mud, there's dust everywhere. There's a lot of kind of debris and all of that, but it is the only way to reach what was buried underneath. There is no other way.
0: Yes. Yes. God, that's so true. And, and it kind of goes back to like the only way out is through. Right. And so like when you're feeling these emotions and you're crying and you, and it's like the cry of, of, panic like nothing's going to be okay and the there's a different cry when you are using the tools that you've learned to self-soothe to na- to navigate your your emotions and what you're going through from a place of um centeredness from love and, comp- and self-compassion um and yeah from there i think that that's where we that's where we find the gems like you know, we're finding the pain, we're finding the purpose through our pain. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Oh man, I've been there so many times and it's always, a rom- it's a, it's, so often it's a romantic relationship, but it's also yeah. been a part of like healing the relationship that I've had with my father yeah. and finding forgiveness and, mm-hmm. and really um, coming back to compassion. Once I found compassion for myself, I was able to find it for um, the people who have hurt me and so that's where like navigating heartbreak and navigating those really deep lows has has been uh change, like it's life changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: I would love to hear your story of how you got from that like ugly shower cry, you know, the mascara all down everywhere, like it's never going to end to a place where you were even open to what your sister introduced you to with Rachel and Evoke, the program that we did, because that's like, you didn't ease into it. Like you didn't dip a, a pinky toe in the pool, you know? Like you dove in head first in the deep end. So I would love to hear more of how you got to a place where you were even open to doing that. Or maybe that's mm. that's a
0: characteristic you've always had of like go big or go home. I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly that it's kind of a mixture of both. I think I've always had that. Like um, I just love to try new experiences, and I have always done well with uncomfortable situations. Um, I th- and I think it's because I'm able to like relate to people so deeply that. I, I I can understand it, and I try to come from a place of non judgment. Um, but I'm always open to like new experiences because um, I, they 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 blast you open. Um, I but I and I think being also like a stripper for seven years, I think that that really got me comfort real comfy in being in you know different situations, just a lot of different situations and dealing with a lot of different people. Um, so, uh, so there's that piece, but also I, I think that meditation really was what, what broke, what cracked my heart open and it made me more, um, just more open-minded And, and I was able to see what scratching the surface felt like of, of the healing process. And I was like, wow, if this is, if this is just the taste, what if I, what, what if I just dive in, but, but I used to deal with heartbreak in a very different way. You know, I, and so I used to, hmm. I used to slap a band aid on a leaky pipe. That's what I like to call it. And so I used to go to a ball. I would immediately hop on Bumble or Tinder, and I was swiping. I would spend so much of my energy and time swiping. I was going to bars and taking shots, and you know, hooking up with the cute guys. And and that to me was it was just very unfulfilling. But it filled a void for you know those moments. Um, And then I just realized that I wasn't the, what I wasn't healing was just showing up through different humans, through different relationships. It was the same pain with different humans. And I'm like, it's not even this, you know, face it's, it's, it's something within myself that I need to heal. And, um, and, and I knew that, uh, that I had to heal a lot of my abandonment wounds and 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 they're never fully healed so i'm not sitting here saying that i'm fully healed and you know i'm perfect it's just um but i but i knew that i had to make some internal changes if i wanted to see a different reality and so um i learned how to recover from my heartbreaks differently like sitting with myself actually you know, learning the tools to navigate these really, really difficult emotions because we're never taught these things. Like, and it's such, it's like criminal that we're not taught how to do these things when we're younger. Um, But really just, it just came back to like sitting with myself and moving my body and um, having a spiritual practice, having spiritual practices in place and having like that anchor. I think if I, you know, the creative process for me would be so different if I didn't have an anchor. And I'm sure you have your anchor too, like your, your altar space, the place where you can come to in the beginning of your day and cultivate your own essence. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So can can you share a little bit about what, what you mean by altar space and then what Um, it, uh, like how it looks and kind of give people a bit of a visual of it. And then Mm -hmm. what
0: relationship do you have to it? It's a place where we get to drop in and, uh, and cultivate our, our, our essence. So for me, having an altar space is having, um, being surrounded by things that I find beautiful. So like flowers, a candle, incense, really for me, it's, about igniting all of my senses. So, and for me, that's a way to prime my brain, you know, to drop in and to find safety.
1: Yeah, it's been, it's been a game changer for me too, to have a, a physical space that grounds me. It's been really helpful for me to have a physical place. And mine is literally just a little stool, like, mm-hmm. a, like a kitchen stool. And i put a scarf over it and i put some some rocks and some seeds and some notes and some incense and palo santo and and stuff that just um that is slow and intentional and Mm. grounding and just being in that physical uh realm it helps me also to drop into my senses and to be able yeah. to, to drop into that space, like I, I do my meditations in the morning. It's the first thing that I do. And having that physical connection and grounding, I can feel the difference like night and day between when I do it and when I don't.
0: Oh my God, yes. Same, same, absolutely. It's, it's, it, it's changed my life. It's like, it's just, a, it's a time to slow down. It, it helps you to remind yourself that that's what you need. And um and that's so important. It really sets the tone for your whole day.
1: I think it'd be really interesting to get into what you've mentioned at several points in this conversation through different ways around embodiment and your senses. So as you have mentioned your your 7-year experience as a stripper where that is I mean, it's all about the body, like you are a body that is available for other people's pleasure and other people's enjoyment. And the way that you're feeling inside is not particularly relevant because you're looking for an outcome. So I would love to hear a little bit about how you have shifted your relationship with being um, body focused and in your body, less for other people's um needing or wanting something from you and more into a place where it feels more soul aligned. So as you're now moving into a place where you are starting to align more of your financial world with this type of embodiment work, I would love to kind of drop into how you made that shift and
0: what and how that looks like. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Yes, that is... (laughs) <laughs> That's such a good question. Um, and I'll start the, there are a couple of things, but I'll start with, um, what you mentioned about what, like using our, your, our bodies, using our bodies, our sexuality, our sensuality to, um, to attract, uh, something outside of ourselves and something like money or attention. And I actually was, uh, I talked to my sister about this recently. It's about, um, There are different archetypes that we embody as women and as the feminine, and there is light and there's the dark, and like we've mentioned before, neither are good or bad, but one of them serves us a little bit more and in a healthier way, right? And so there's there's like the um, the erotic shadow, like the um, you know the part of us that uh, manipulates our environment to get what we want. We are. We seduce men, uh, we you know, to to make money or for validation. A lot of times, even without being a stripper, it's external validation. Um, we see that a lot in our culture. Um, it's very prevalent, um, and that is the that's that comes a lot from the place of the wounded feminine. It's coming from a place of lack or feeling not worthy enough. Um, as a dancer, I sort of had to because I was still connected with my body. I was, I had to, I had to disconnect at work. Um, and so, while I was a dancer, it it became increasingly difficult as I started doing this work because I started doing this work while I was dancing. It became increasingly difficult to um, compartmentalize, you know, those two things. And also, it it just. It, even when you're tapping into it and it's just for a, for a few hours you're kind of carrying that into into your real life in insidious ways that happens um and so really uh and, and so there's the second archetype which is the um like the queen archetype the, the 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 seductress that doesn't have to she's she magnetizes what she wants through the feminine um effortlessly, she doesn't have to flaunt or manipulate. And that is, that's what I've been, um, those are the practices that I've been cultivating in in the last, you know, couple of years. And I think really not, um, not dancing has helped. Being out of that environment has definitely helped. Um, but really wanting to move away from it was because I was learning what the healthy version of that looked like and, and how it just wasn't conducive with you know, um, what I wanted to teach. But there is, uh, there is an aspect of it that I, that I do, that Claudia and I are actually looking to carry into our programs and our teachings. And it's the art of, uh, it's like more like tantric principles. So it's the art of the sacred lap dance And, you know, you know, instead of like hopping up on stage and not thinking about being in your body, you're actually tapping into your body and into your senses and using sensuality rather than sexuality to, um, to become more magnetizing in our feminine. And so, yeah, it's the art, the art of tantric lap dance. It's like learning how to um, use your breath and like orgasmic breath work and feeling into our senses and you know using sensuality because sensuality and sexuality are very different your sensuality is you tapping into your senses that's you can do that when you eat a piece of fruit you can do that when you're eating a strawberry you know and you can like make love to your strawberries i do that now i'm like I, when i eat my food i'm you know I'm, I'm really tapping in and so yeah um that's that's been the journey yeah in between you know, and, and I, I, I'm so grateful for for what dancing has provided for me. You know, it, it was, it taught me so much, and um, it's kind of cool being able to like now seduce women instead of men in a healthy way, like teaching women how to seduce themselves, mm. rather than trying to seduce a man yeah. to get what I need.
1: So, so. what what does that that mean? Can you unpack it, unpack that for us a little bit more of.
0: What does it mean to seduce yourself? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, this is um, kind of like going back to balancing that feminine and, and masculine energy. Seducing myself for me was um, like, that's why when I mentioned like having an altar space would be like where it, it's, you create beauty and reverence. Like for me, that's seducing myself. Putting on um, soft, you know, elegant clothing that makes me feel good what, and whatever it is that makes you feel good. Um, adorning myself. That's like seduce. That's what I consider seducing myself and going back to the feminine and masculine for me, part of feeling more whole in myself was bringing the union of masculine and feminine energy together. So, you know, cultivating a disciplinary practice, you know, through the masculine, that to, that's the masculine, right? Like structure, discipline, sitting ourselves down, having a practice, mindfulness, being in stillness. But for me, it ha- I had to use the feminine energy to like seduce myself into the mat. Like were well, they were like seducing each other, you know, and and so that was me like being seduced by my own masculine and feminine, mm. and that that was um, that was a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: that that was a huge uh, learning for me also in understanding the value of both the masculine and the feminine because i think like a lot of ambitious women we lean very hard into our masculine and we sacrifice a lot without really realizing it but so much of our culture talks about femininity as being either weak or being something that is a complement or an accessory to the masculine, Mm, mm -hmm. right? But we don't talk so much about the feminine power in and of itself in a way that doesn't fit into the masculine mold, right? right? Like really successful women lead like men, right? They're women, they physically look like women, but their energy space tends to be more masculine. And we have fewer and fewer examples that are so visible and so ubiquitous that really demonstrate the, the power of the feminine in a way that honors the sacredness of the feminine rather than the cultural capitalistic
0: manifestation of it. Right. Yeah. Uh Oh yeah. And that's so true. Like we, we, you know, we're taught that the feminine is like, you know, being Uh, being sexy and being, you know, being the good girl, you know, and that we are a compliment to the, to the masculine. Every person carries more energy in one, in one area than the other. Some people are heavier in their masculine and then their feminine um, and they feel better that way, but there always has to be some sort of balance. And, you know, but we live, we also live in a society where, um, you know, the masculine needs healing too. We, we can't have the healing of the feminine without, without the masculine. And, you know, men are, we're taught, we're taught to go, 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 go. Like that is the mentality. And that's what makes you successful. And don't, don't show your feelings. And now we see this dance between the feminine, the feminine's like, no, I want you to express. And the masculine like, but I don't know how I wasn't taught. And, yeah. You know, it's, and I'm um, scared you're going to reject me if I do. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of men feel that way too, where they're just like, Yeah, well, ye, I've, and there are women who are very wounded and they're like, I don't, yeah. I don't want to see you cry. Like, that's not a man to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But really, that always comes back to just having, you know, knowing how to hold your own emotions and knowing how to hold the masculine or the feminine and their emotions. So, yeah. um, And, And I think what you said earlier around compassion, more compassion and less judgment. We have to create a safe enough environment for the masculine and the feminine to soften and to, um, to be receptive, you know, like that, that takes, um, it takes practice, but it also takes being with the right, with the right person, with the right people, the people that make us feel safe. My goal is to see a world where we know how to love better and, um, and we we feel safe in, enough to express all of ourselves and all of our emotions. Yeah. And
1: yeah, I think it, it happens at, at various stages of our lives, you know, because I can tell you that just yesterday. Um, so I have a, I have a stepdaughter. My partner has a daughter who is 11 now. And yesterday she got upset about something. And I was in the other room and she started to cry. And when I walked into the room, she like immediately turned around. Like she didn't want me to see her crying. Mm-hmm.
0: And she's 11. And we're taught so young to just hold it all in and hold it right? back. It makes me right? great. Power. Yeah. And
1: so when I, I, I could, sense that that okay she wants maybe she needs a little bit of space maybe just let her and her dad work out whatever this problem was um and i went back into the other room and i could overhear my partner speaking to her um and he said it's safe to cry in front of brooke if you want to cry she's like the best person to cry with i cry with her all the time Aww. And I thought, (laughs) I know, and I thought like I was in the other room listening to that. And I thought, who would I be if my father said that to me and to be able to create an environment that is safe and stable, but also leaves all the room that she needs, that he needs, that I needs, that I need for emotional expression I thought, gosh, who who is she going to be that she has
0: that as a model? Uh, yeah, wow, that's so beautiful. It's like the way you—I feel that, you know—you were like, who is she going to be? If now this is the this is this is the example that she is seeing. Like this is what's set for her. Yeah. And honestly, I—I I mean, I—and then my hope for her is a secure attachment st- style. Yeah. You know, no one's perfect, but a secure attachment style as she gets older, because that. You know, she's not seeking. Uh, she's not like she, because she's being provided the the healthy masculine, like the the support and the love and the um, that openness. She isn't going to need to feel. Hopefully, she won't wouldn't need to feel the need to seek that outside of herself from the masculine.
1: So, as we we are wrapping this podcast up, I would love to hear a little bit about. How you've been able to bring all of these different experiences that that you've shared with us into helping guide other women towards this work and through this work, and yeah, just what what sort of um, patterns or insights or wisdom you might have for for women who have listened to the podcast this far thus far and are thinking oh, wow, I identify with so much of what Nicolette said. I I didn't even, what is this masculine, feminine, what? Like, I don't know what
0: format my (laughs) healing
1: needs to happen in, but this is resonating with me.
0: I would say that the first, when I work with women in this realm, it's the first thing we do is really um, uh, find a way to ground ourselves and to root ourselves into the earth so that we, Um, So that we can get to the shadow work and the nitty gritty of like the the codependency, the attachment styles, all of the things that come after that. But we, but what I like to to always guide women with first is finding finding their footing, finding safety within their bodies, finding safety within their environments, um, you know, uh, rituals, finding practices, teaching mindfulness and meditation, um, and And then really um, learning, uh, becoming really aware of like what our attachment styles are, how we relate to people and why, Um, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of people are living in autopilot. They're through old conditioning and not really understanding you know, why they keep finding themselves in situationships or in unhealthy relationships. And I just, my, my goal is to, to, to help women find their, um, find their empowerment, find their power in, in dating and finding that within themselves. So, you know, finding a really strong sense of identity, a strong sense of uh, sovereignty. Sovereignty is, the, is like the biggest word that I use. Um, because when we learn how to self-source our own love, and that's that's like after we find the grounding, that's where we start to learn how to self-source our own love through you know different healing modalities, um, inner child work, inner child healing, shadow work, learning to love the parts of ourselves that we find really hard to love, um, and bringing that into a place to a place of wholeness, um, finding a lot of self acceptance. Um, And when we start to self-source our own love, that's where we get to enter the dating world from a place of, okay, I've got me always. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter if you ghost me. It doesn't matter if you know, I fell hard and it didn't work out. I've got me and I have the tools to be able to come back to, to center and to come back to my heart space. And you were saying that the heart space is such a, is like the it's the core of everything it's how we create in this world it's how we express ourselves it's how we love it's how we give and receive love and so um it's really how how open can we remain in our hearts and and healing our hearts and and that's another part of the journey that i love to take women through is healing, healing our hearts finding a connection to our womb spaces connecting the different parts of our bodies that We've ignored. We don't. We don't have relationships with our wounds. So many of us don't, and and we hold a lot of like our trauma there, you know, and sexual trauma, and and so, um, yeah, it's really coming back to a place of self sourcing our love, wholeness, and I just want to see a better love in this world. I want to see higher conscious relationships, higher love partnerships, where we are not just meeting people from a place of wounding and you know trauma bonding, we all trauma bond to a certain degree, to a certain level. But how much awareness do we have around it? How can we relate to people in a healthier way? And um, do better in love, Do better in dating, you know? I, I, I came to this place because I got so sick and tired of getting dating wrong it was all a learning process and I'm grateful for it, but it was, it wasn't working out. And I'm like, there has to be another way. And a lot of it is just like inner union. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different. Yeah. So That's um, beautiful. Oh,
1: and I, I would love to, I mean, it, it feels very related to that. If you have any wisdom or kind of hard earned advice that, you wish that you could tell your younger self or maybe somebody who's at an earlier stage of their, um, their reinvention process, their creative identity building, their, Mm. their um, masculine and feminine union, however we want to label it. But what, what would have been helpful for you to hear when you were younger or maybe helpful for
0: somebody else at an earlier stage? Mm a beautiful question. Um, And it might sound cliche, but it all starts with you. It starts with the relationship that we have with ourselves and nurturing that relationship and making it the number one priority because in relationships and creating what you want in this world, it all comes down to the way that we relate to ourselves and in nurturing that relationship. Don't be so stubborn when you can't figure something out. Ask for help, (laughs) and 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 that's where it took me twenty seven years to find uh, to find my coach and to actually be like to like oh, there is there's somebody always further along and and on my journey on the on the journey that is that can help us. Um, That's what we're here for. That's what humans. I think that's the purpose of every human on this earth, whether it's you be make it your job or not. You, our purpose is to help and to be in service of others. So take that opportunity. If you ever see it, if you get a ping from the universe that this is where this, you can learn a lot from someone listen and, um, and find stillness. That's what I wish I would have told. That's what I, what something that I really um would have benefited from as as my my younger self, like find stillness, go within and get curious.
1: Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for, for going
0: there, like for being
1: so vulnerable, being so raw, revealing so much about your story and how you arrived to this place and being so clear and vocal about your intention. And ultimately what you're trying to create in the world is it feels very clear. It feels like it's coming from a place of alignment. And I personally have no doubt in my mind that you are going to get there. Even if it is just one person, two people, three people, like it is, the energy is out there. The intention is out there. And I trust
0: completely in your ability to bring it to fruition. Thank you so much. You are so sweet. So kind. (laughs) Thank you for your words of encouragement. You are like, if you were ever like, like you you would make the best mom. (laughs) You have like such a beautiful heart. And thank you so much for having me on this podcast and for also um, sharing your wisdom. Thank you
1: so much for listening to today's episode of the Art of Lost and Found podcast. I hope that you are feeling inspired and empowered to go forth and explore your curiosity and creativity. As always, if you want any more information about any of our guests or the show notes or anything we discussed on today's episode, you can head over to www.brookestin.com podcast. Thank you so much and looking forward to seeing you in the next episode.